Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, a couple days removed from the Packers' sixth victory of the season, Green Bay at 6-1 and one after seven games. And you know that I don't like to look ahead. I don't like to peer down the road. But bear with me for a second here because I want to start today's show with a little bit of a big picture look at things. And what I mean by that is you look at what the Packers have done on offense the last three games without Devontae Adams, not only getting victories, but the progress we've seen in the offense and getting a lot of these younger guys involved, Jake Kumaro, uh, Alan Lazard, more snaps for Marquez Valdez-Scantling until he obviously got injured and then was limited in his snaps against Oakland. But whenever the Packers get Devontae Adams back, you have to believe that the experience that these young receivers have gotten, that they've not only gotten in and played, taken snaps with Aaron Rodgers, but they've produced and right. they've been on the winning side of things. This is something that's going to bode well for the Packers down the road here as we get to November and December, don't you think? It's the most important storyline, I think, to the early part of the season for the offense is the fact that they are now 3-0 and without Devontae Adams. And as Aaron Rodgers said, he cautioned it during his postgame news conference. He's like, don't get it twisted. We need him back. <laughs> <laughs> right. This offense needs Devontae Adams. Right. But, the offense will be better with him. But let's be honest, Mike. If the Green Bay Packers are going to make a Super Bowl, if they're going to make an NFC Championship game, it stands to reason that there's going to be a starter or two on this team right now that won't be available for that team it just that's the way it works out right now for the receiving core they're learning to lead they're learning to live without their leader being on the field I love the comment it didn't really fit into any of our stories but I really did like the comment that uh you know Rogers had after the game when he's like you know you look at Greg Jennings Jordy Nelson James Jones Randall Cobb this lineage of receivers going back to even you know Donald Driver as well but each of those guys, when they've been a veteran, they were in front of that room. And in Devontae's case, he's learned from Jones, Cobb, and then obviously Jordy. And now he's that guy at 26 years old that yeah. he's had to be the one that everyone turns to. And he relishes it. I remember even talking to him two years ago when this whole thing was going to start. And he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't mind. I'm like, I'm ready for this. And you knew based on his confidence and the way he carries himself, it wasn't going to be too big. But when he's not on the field, that's when it's up to Marquez Valdez-Scantling to play through the injuries that he did to make two critical catches in that game, the longest plays from scrimmage of the season in only 20 snaps. Yeah. Jay Kumaro reaching out for the touchdown, Alan Lazard having a drop earlier in the game, but then coming back and having a big leaping catch in the red zone when maybe the pass wasn't exactly where it needed to be, and he went up and got it. Right. Those are the moments that in week 16, 17, and into the playoffs, if the Packers happen to be so fortunate – is really going to benefit this group because the thing I think a lot of people forget, this is a very young receiving core, and Davante Adams included. Yeah. And the more experience you give playing through those situations, the better it's going to you know serve you in the long run. Yeah, I just look at it like this. I mean, obviously the Packers are hoping to get Davante Adams back sooner than later, and you hope you don't have any other <clears throat> injuries down the road to the receiving core that will be multiple weeks or like a month or whatever this is now that's going on with Adams. But Let's be real. I mean, somebody's going to tweak a hamstring like Adam Thielen did for the Vikings last week. Somebody's going to turn an ankle again. It's going to happen. And even if it's just for that one game, maybe it's the one 
road trip to Minnesota in week 16, or maybe it's the, maybe it's a road trip coming up to San Francisco, which is looking like a big game in the NFC playoff picture, where one of those top guys, you're not going to have them. Well, now Alan Lazard, Jake Kumaro, these guys have made big plays, caught touchdown passes from Aaron Rodgers. They're going to step in if they're called upon in those situations, and they're not going to blink. They're going to be like, hey, I've been here, I've done this. The confidence level is going to be there, and the confidence level in from the rest of the offense will be there as well because it's not going to be like, oh, well, so-and-so's not playing today. Right. I mean, nobody feels that way on this offense, and, and why would you when Devontae Adams is out and you go out and put up six touchdowns and 42 points in a home game? Not, not to put you on the spot, did you get a chance to watch the Monday Night Football game at all? I just I caught and bits and pieces. New England it, has been just completely snake-bitten at fullback, and if you know anything about James Devlin and, and the history of that offense that fullback position is very critical there we make so much about it with San Francisco but what Devlin does for the Patriots is important certainly it, last year it was exactly for sure, yeah his backup Johnson he gets hurt as well they were using a linebacker at a certain point in that game against the Jets as their fullback as the guy who's blocking for Sony Michelle and and James White it's wow. incredible but at the same time Bill Belichick says it Mike McCarthy always talked about it too you need depth, and you need guys to be able to play more than one position and step up when the opportunity arises. That's what the good football teams do. Yeah. Because if you put everybody's roster next to each other at week one, by week 17, if you can keep any of those rosters together, it stands to reason that team would be pretty good. Yeah. But you have to be able to weather the hits and nicks and bruises that are going to hit you throughout the course of a season. Another thing McCarthy always used to like to say is it's not about the starting 11. It's about the starting 14 or 15. You know your your four your top four cornerbacks your your top three safeties. Look at what Will Redmond is doing this season in his first season playing that spot in the receiving core, especially in this game where Matt Lafleur made a very concerted effort that we're going to rotate these guys. You know you can't play Allison sixty snaps. You know you can't play MVS sixty snaps. So Alan Lazard plays fifty one. Jake Kumaro plays 43. These are guys that up until two weeks ago hadn't really been playing at all offensively. And going into the game with a game plan to be very aggressive and to attack the yeah. Oakland Raiders defense down the field. And I just, that's why yesterday I, I brought it back at the end of our show to talk about LaFleur and Rodgers a little bit because I just thought both of those guys were at the peak of their respective powers and that Rodgers showed a lot of confidence in young guys. Think about that, Mike. I mean, he had a drop with Lazard there early. We know everything that happened against Detroit. That could have been a really tough situation to play through, like, oh, boy, here we go again. Yeah. But he showed a lot of confidence throwing tight balls into great windows. Same thing with the Aaron Jones touchdown. Yes. 21 yards for the touchdown. And a week ago, as Jones said himself, a much less difficult catch, and he wasn't <laughs> able to bring it in in the 33-yarder that he could have walked into the end zone. But that's what you have to do. And for LaFleur... You know, they're going back to Jimmy Graham. They had Mercedes Lewis integrated in this thing. They used that two running back formation out of the shotgun, and that's what they did a lot of motioning with Danny Vitale out of it. They made the necessary adjustments, Mike, and we say it time and time again, but when you're 6-1 and one, and you look at where the Packers are at, they're doing it because they're winning more than one way, and offensively, very quietly now, we're looking at an MVP quarterback potential, Yeah. you know, in terms of that candidacy. In an offense now that's on the precipice of being in the top ten in total yards. Yeah. So it's just it shows you how quickly these things can turn if your team evolves, matures, and develops. Yeah. Well, I know we're a little bit short on time today, and I apologize for that. But I did promise on yesterday's show we would get to a little bit of a review, excuse me, of what 
went on in the NFL in Week 7. The most significant game from the NFC North point of view was the Minnesota Vikings going into Ford Field, yeah. putting up 42 points on the Detroit Lions, coming away with a 42-30 to victory, a game that's actually closer than the final score indicated because right. that was a one-score game with about three or four minutes to go. But the biggest two, – two big things here. Number one, Kirk Cousins has shaken off all the criticism that was thrown his way, and he's really starting to light things up with that Minnesota passing game. But the other thing is – this was a road division victory for the Minnesota Vikings. And until then, the Packers at Chicago was the only road win in the NFC North as yeah. far as the division matchup. So this was a big one for the Vikings. They're now 5-2 and two, right on Green Bay's heels at 6-1. and one. And the Chicago Bears now 3-3. Three and three, And the Detroit Lions become the first team in the division to fall below 500 at 2-3-1. and one. I still say it's too early to just call it a two-horse race. Oh, absolutely. Way too early to, to do that. But Minnesota going on the road and chalking up a road division victory was a significant occurrence. We talk so much about Mike Zimmer and his defense, double-A gap, all those typical things that we talk about twice a year. Yeah. I think one thing he doesn't get enough credit for is how good of a football coach he is and how good of a leader he is. The Vikings were able to kind of turn that narrative on its head. I mean, you go back three weeks ago, Mike, there's these questions about does Stephon Diggs want to play for the Vikings? Yeah. Is Kirk Cousins really the answer here? There was that Are ugly they... offensive outing at Soldier Field. Yeah. They lost a division game to the Chicago Bears, and everybody was wondering just where are the Minnesota Vikings headed. Well, Kirk Cousins has been putting up some big numbers since then. Yeah, and, and you know the other thing is, too, with this, it shows you that it's all about consistency. You're five and two. The Minnesota Vikings are not five and two because they blew everybody out of the water. They're five and through because they work through some setbacks. Yeah. They work through some adversity. For the Packers' perspective, you almost want to see some of those losses mount here early in the season because you don't want them to be in playoff contention. You don't want them to be in divisional contention when you get to that Week 16 Monday Night Football game at U.S. Bank Stadium in December. Yeah, you you want them to be kind of out of that, but Zimmer finds a way to rally these guys. Their defense is looking younger again after I called them old about three weeks ago. <laughs> and you know, Stefan Diggs, I'll tell you what, man. Thielen gets so much tension, rightfully so. He's a great story. He's a Pro Bowl receiver. Stephon Diggs is coming on, and he seems to, whatever happened there with him and Kirk Cousins, he's worked through it. And then when you add in the fact that Delvin Cook is probably one of the top five running backs in this league now, um, so many different things moving in the, the Vikings' direction. And then for the Detroit Lions, on Johnson now injured, certain things that they're going to have to work through. It's going to be a tough sledding ahead for Detroit. Yeah, well, you mentioned Minnesota's defense, and I just want to point this out because obviously a lot of Packer fans are concerned about what was going on on defense against the Oakland Raiders and the Raiders putting up 400-plus yards and all this. Minnesota Vikings defense gave up 30 points to the Detroit Lions. It's it's the way this league goes sometimes. You get into games like this where the offenses just start moving moving the ball up and down the field, it's the way things can go, and the bottom line is both the Packers and the Vikings had enough offense to come out on top on in games where their defense, you know, didn't quite have its best game on a particular day. And let's to to use your let's be real comment again here. Matthew Stafford's a very good quarterback. Yeah. Uh, the Packers have played good quarterbacks so far to this point in the season. If you're going to play Stafford and he doesn't turn the ball away, turn turn the turn over the football, 
you have to be prepared to win a shootout. Yep. And fortunately for the Vikings, and fortunately for Cousins, they were able to do that in that matchup. But, yeah, it's it's going to be a gut check here for Detroit, trying to bounce back from that and show that they can be the team that everybody thinks they are. Yeah, absolutely. The Chicago Bears, a lot of questions floating around in Chicago now after, an, quite frankly, an abysmal offensive performance. Don't be fooled by the 36-25 to 25 score. The Chicago Bears were down 12-10 to 10 at halftime and really got blown out in the second half at home by a very, very good New Orleans Saints team that has a very, very good defense. But the lack of offensive production uh, when the game mattered was really, really startling, and it's raising a lot of questions in Chicago as to just where this team is headed with Mitchell Trubisky, a quarterback. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, Mike, I'm a little annoyed by one thing. Okay. And I'm not saying Trubisky, you know, when you see what Patrick Mahomes has done and Deshaun Watson has done, right or wrong, he's going to be compared to those two guys the rest of his career. Comes with the territory. And I'm not saying he's playing particularly well right now. But, Mike, I don't care who your quarterback is. If you can't run the football, you're never going to make your life easier on that quarterback, especially a young one. Well, in this particular game, they didn't even try to run the football. Seven rushing attempts, and Mitch Trubisky had 54 pass attempts. And again, I I looked at the halftime stats. I believe it was 23 or 24 pass attempts and five runs in the first half when the game was 12 to 10. They didn't even try to run the football. And that's not how you're going to win with Mitchell Trubisky, in my opinion. And here's the thing. You look at you know, New Orleans perspective, Teddy Bridgewater's playing great. He's going to earn himself a lot of money this offseason, whether <laughs> it's in New Orleans is. or somewhere else. Right. But they didn't have Elvin Kamara. So what did they do? Latavius Murray, the old war horse there, <laughs> he goes right in there and gets him 119 yards and makes life easier on who I will still consider to be a young quarterback at 26 years old. I get it. There are sky-high expectations for Trubisky. People want him to play out of his mind, and that is rightfully so. He's a second overall pick. That comes with the job description. It comes with the contract you signed. Yep. But I've just been absolutely amazed that with David Montgomery and, and some of the steps it looked like they were going to take, and they are beat up on the offensive line right now. They, they couldn't run the ball the last few weeks, and in this particular game they didn't even try. And the worst-case scenario right now for Chicago, as you alluded to with Akeem Hicks's injury, they're now their defense is getting banged up too. So yep. seeing all those things fit together is going to be something to watch. There is one more game I want to talk about though. Yeah, Do absolutely. We have time? No, I, yeah, and I have I just have one other comment yeah. with regards to the Bears. They have a lot to work through now. Right. And they don't have their bye week anymore. They yes. just came off of their bye week right. and did not perform up anything close to to up to expectations. They're in a tough spot now because uh, they're playing the rest of the way without a break, and they've got some stuff to work. And through. And they got but, a Chargers team coming in too this week. That while oh. they have been disappointed and disheartened this season. That's still a dangerous team. Don't be fooled Rivers. by that two and five record. The 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 Chargers, and we'll be talking about them uh, soon enough here with them on the Packers schedule. But that Chargers team, you talk about an absolute kick in the gut loss yeah. to the Tennessee Titans. The way that game turned at the goal line in the last two minutes there. I mean, boy oh boy, that the Chargers, uh, they're not the twelve and four team of last year, but they're not a two and five team no, either, in my opinion. They really aren't. But it also shows you the difference one yard makes. And <laughs> I mean, credit to Tennessee, Mike. I've been saying since week one, they've had to work through some things. Ryan Tannehill is their quarterback now. Their defense, I think, has always played well this season. Like I'm really high on the Titans and what Mike Vrabel's doing there. And they're defending their turf. And in the Chargers, basically, their their record could almost be inverted if they could convert these these short yardage, one-yard plays. And they just haven't been able to do it so far this season. 
the thing I want to close on, yeah. almost like the Wes Hodkowitz moment okay. of the show, All right. is I did. I watched the entire New England Patriots and New York Jets game. Don't ask me how I managed to do this, but I did. The Star Wars trailer was at halftime, Mike. I wanted to wait for the Star Wars trailer, and then afterwards okay. I was like, I was but, working on the Player on the Rise story. I was like, I'll just keep watching. Sam Darnold, who, by the way, played a great game the week before and you know, hopefully still have a bright future in this league. I was incredibly high on. He was yeah. my number one quarterback in the 2018 draft. And beat a Dallas Cowboys team that then just obliterated the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles in primetime on Sunday night. But go ahead. So Darnold goes over to the sideline. He's mic'd up for this game. Why he would ever agree to be mic'd up for a New England Patriots game <laughs> is beyond me. I would never, ever want that for myself. Yeah. He's on the thing. He says, I believe he was saying it to either his quarterback's coach. I don't think it was Adam Gase. He says, I'm seeing ghosts out there. And if you know anything about Darnold's day, I'll just read the stats here for you quickly. Um, yeah, this is it was an all-timer. A 3.6 passer rating, 11 of 32 for 86 yards with four touchdowns, or four interceptions, excuse me. 11 completions, four interceptions. I think someone, Monday Night Football threw up a stat. I think it was like the second time since 1950 a quarterback has had over 30 pass attempts, under 100 uh, passing yards and four interceptions. Wow. Just a nightmarish game for yeah. him. He's seeing ghosts. One thing it tells you is where the bar is when you play Bill Belichick in the Patriots. It's still incredibly high. It's incre- You know, you look at this game, Tom Brady had an 80 passer rating, but they still won based on how they played defensively. Handily. The point I want to raise here, and I don't. I know Packer fans are saying, I don't need this reminder, Wes, leave us alone. Your quarterback <laughs> had 158.3 passer rating. We can create any kind of narratives you want. My headline for Inbox today, the day that we're shooting this, was that guy never left, talking about Aaron Rodgers. Because the narrative nationally this week, inevitably, starting on Wednesday, is going to be Aaron Rodgers is back. Aaron Rodgers never left. And the point I raise with that is the storylines will ebb and flow. The quarterback position is way too difficult in this league to just play at 150 passer rating every week. Too many variables. I just hope in request and ask that Packer fans really appreciate what they have. And I know they're going to say, oh, we've 26 years. We've always appreciated it. But Aaron Rodgers makes this game look a lot easier than it really is. Sam Darnold, watching him play against the Jet, against New England, especially in the second half when things got really rough, I felt bad for him. Yeah. Because you see a young guy there that is a one of the peak players in this league. People say, oh, it's a bad quarterback. No. This is one of the best prospects the NFL at this level, 32 jobs, right, starting quarterback? Yep. This is one of the best prospects the NFL has to offer. And he has a three-passer rating against New England defense. That is one of the best in the NFL this season. Whoever crosses paths with New England, I know I've been the first one to say they haven't truly been tested. That shows you where the bar is, and that shows you how good these players are. And it shows you one more time. You don't need 158.3 passer rating to know that Aaron Rodgers is good. You see it every Sunday because of what he brings to the table, what he, how, the way he leads, and the victories that he amasses. And it, it's those type of things that really hit home the point that this game is not as easy as he makes it look. Yeah, and I think I'll just close with the point that we've seen Aaron Rodgers on days when he's not at his best, and the Packers usually still have a chance to win the game. That's as opposed to what you saw on Monday night when a young, up-and-coming prospect does not have anything close to his best, and his team has no chance. Yeah. And that's the difference between the guys who have done it and the guys who are trying to figure it out. And the only thing I ask, because there's going to be ebbs and flows. Aaron Rodgers, inevitably, the last 10 weeks of the season, there will be a day where he doesn't have his A game. Yep, it'll happen. But you have to remember that in that particular day, the Packers are probably still going to be in that ball game, and he's probably still not going to be that bad considering 
you know, sometimes what happens at that position when things don't go right. Yeah. All right. With that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. And you can subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services on Twitter. He's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>